Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright, welcome back for another episode, guys. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about... Uh, Quickly, we're going to kind of go over at first the Bruins game one win over the Blue Jackets. That was a big game. We're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to grade every first round draft pick in 2019 NFL draft. Kind of explain. I already kind of explained my thoughts on most of the players. But just my thought on the pick itself. I'm going to give it a grade. Uh, it should be a fun episode today. So let's get into it. All right, so yesterday, the um, 2019 second round of the NHL playoffs started in the Bruins after their uh, Game 7 win on Tuesday against the Lightning. Uh, we're back in action yesterday uh, on Thursday. Today's Friday. It was Thursday against Blue Jackets, and they went 3-2 to two in overtime. Uh, kind of like Game 7, you were carried by those third, second-line guys, you know? And the first line's kind of been a little quiet so far. Like, not, too, not quiet, but they've been inconsistent, uh, definitely. But the third, second line stepped up. And those Marcus Johansson and Charlie Coyle trades have really made a big difference. Uh, Coyle's been great. Johansson's been good as well. So, um, Coyle had your last two goals. So, you, you scored early, um, the Nola Chari goal early. And then all of a sudden, um, you had the Brendan Dubinsky and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't know how to say his name. Goal 19 seconds in. 19 seconds apart from each other. That was late in the third. There was that was around what the 14 minute mark. It was so it, no, it was around that like area. It was like middle of the third period, and all of a sudden there I panicked. I will admit. And then uh, like five minutes later, six minutes later, whatnot, we're about five minutes left in the game. Charlie Coyle scores, and then he had that game winning overtime goal. So I mean, there's not a lot to say here. I mean, it was a good game. Uh, you just cut that one minute really killed you. That was it. I mean, your defense had a stunning game today. I, I don't think stunning, stunning, but had a very good game. Not only did uh, McAvoy and Krug have uh, assists, so your D line had no goals, but they had two of two assists on uh, three of your goals. But they only allowed twenty two shots onto Garask. They gave Rask a good time uh, in net. Um, personally, I thought Rask, you know. Was not fan. Neither goal. He was fantastic, but Rast did good enough to get the job done. Uh, he wasn't fantastic. Like twenty uh, saves on twenty-two shots. Uh, you know, is not great. That's not something that's really gonna win you a hockey game. But it's not something that's gonna lose you one either. Bobrovsky had faced thirty-seven shots, thirty-four saves. So both of them an average, average games. Uh, really, uh, I wouldn't say really one outplayed the other. I'd say Bobrovsky might be slightly better, but they both were just kind of average. So then I'd say the Bruins defense really outplayed the uh, Blue Jackets. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was really that one minute where the Blue Jackets got those goals in that third period. And besides that, they create a few opportunities, but your defense was very good today. Uh, so it was your third and second line. The first line was quiet. The first line, uh, well, kind of your big three, we'll say. Pasternak had one shot on goal, no points. Brad Marchand had three shots on goal, no points. And Patrice Bergeron, three shots on goals, no points. So that's no assists, and then seven shots from them, no goals. Which, usually when that happens, no points from that first line, you usually lose.
But today, I mean, Charlie Coyle stepped up big time. I've loved that trade so far. Coyle has been good. Coyle was as quiet as a mouse. Did not do anything in the regular season, but he showed up come playoff time. Oh, I want to pull up his stats real quick. Um, but no, seriously, he has been he has been magnificent so far in these playoffs. Eight games played, he's had a five goals and an assist with a plus minus, a plus two, four penalty minutes, a power play goal, uh, two power play points. Uh, his assist was on the power play, and he's had that game-winning goal yesterday and 14 shots. So he, he's 35.7 in his career. 10.6 of his shots go in this year. 35.7. So he's a very efficient. He's been super efficient on that third line. That's crazy. You take 14 shots, score five goals in the playoffs. I am very pleased with that. Uh, Charlie Coyle was amazing yesterday. He's been great. He's 27 years old. Um. Let's see, he's 20, yeah, he's 27 years old, 220 pounds, 6'3". The main reason we traded for him was to kind of fill in a few of those holes at the, the, you know, our third line and whatnot, but also give us a big in-front-of-the-net body, which we really didn't have. Donato's the opposite. Donato's more of a, you know, sharpshooter with a good shot that, you know, is too weak to play in front of the net, really. Coil's more of that big body that kind of, you know, finesses his way uh, in there. Uh, I believe he becomes a free agent. I'd love to bring him back um, for sure. I mean, hopefully he doesn't get overpaid and whatnot. But, no, Coyle's been great. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know else what to say. I mean, he, he they've been – I mean, Johansson's been good. He had that game seven goal. So, honestly, I've really liked the way that line stepped up because the first line has not played great. Rask has done better than I thought in those second and third lines, whatnot, fourth line. They've been fantastic for you. And the defense done it job, done it has done its job as well. Yesterday, he had, had a very good day. So, that's my take on the uh, Bruins game last night. Hopefully, we can carry out the success. Uh, it would be great to win a, a Stanley Cup. Hopefully, the Bruins win the finals, which I don't really see happening, but we'll, we'll hope. Uh, you never know. It would be great if all four Boston teams win. Same if Tiger Woods wins the Masters. See, that would be great. But, uh, yeah, that's my take on the Bruins today. Uh, obviously, I forgot to tell you guys, but it's obviously just me here uh, and no calls from Billy, Charles, anyone. So, um, yeah, now I'm going to move on to grading all my uh, first-round draft picks. Let's get to that. Right, so last night during the NFL draft is one of those few times in sports where I have so many emotions going. I don't know what to feel. And I felt those during the NFL draft last night where I was just I was just full of emotion, just these different emotions. I just want to spill out my thoughts to the world. Uh, I don't know. I just get that feeling sometimes. And when I was watching the NFL draft, I just wanted to tell all you guys, just everyone, how I was feeling about the NFL draft because I, I just – couldn't I just wanted to tell everyone because I had so many emotions. I just want everyone to understand. I don't know why, and it's very weird, and I don't like that feeling. But I was just it was it's I love the NFL draft. Uh, I'm pretty excited for the second, and third rounds, but the first round is mostly the main event for me, and I get less interested once we hit uh, the second round. But I'll still definitely watch. Still some good names left. So I'm, the Patriots have a lot of second and third round picks, so I'll definitely be tuned. I'll even be tuned for the later rounds, but not as interested as I was in the first, but I'm going to grade. So, so far, I only actually got to write down, I believe, up to the 22nd pick. So, from there on out, I'm just going to do my grade off the top of my head because I have an explanation already. I just didn't get to write it down. So, uh, but first, we'll start with the first overall pick. The Arizona Cardinals took quarterback Kyler Murray. 
Uh, I gave this pick a B plus. Uh, personally, you guys might think that's a little high, and you're saying, "Wait, you graded this a B plus? I expected like a B minus or something." No, I gave this a B plus. Uh, if you know, as I said, you know me. I am not a biggest fan of Kyler Murray. Uh, I've started to hate on him, hate on him a little less, and realize you know what he he's all right. But uh, as if you know me, I thought they shouldn't have picked, uh, got Cliff Kingsbury. They got should. Should have got someone better uh, that's already kind of proven themselves and that would believe in Josh Rosen, try to build around him, really give him a chance, and spend this first overall pick on Quinn Williams and Nick Bosa. But since they have ha- picked Cl- Cliff Kingsbury to be the head coach, sorry, um, they had to pick Kyler Murray. Uh, as a head coach, you need a quarterback that you trust in. So if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't trust in Josh Rosen, but he loves Kyler Murray, then you got to take Kyler Murray. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the pick, but I don't hate it either because Cliff Kingsbury, again, if Kingsbury's like a one and done or two years and he's gone, then this pick's kind of a waste. Uh, but Kyler Murray could, if Kyler Murray doesn't do well, that could kind of screw over Cliff Kingsbury, and then we're kind of restarting, and this whole offseason was basically a waste. But hopefully that doesn't happen for them. Um, but since Cliff Kingsbury the, is the coach, I have to give this a B plus, even though it's not my favorite pick, but it's not my least favorite either. All right, then coming in at number two, San Francisco 49ers took defensive end Nick Bosa. I had to give this an A plus. Bosa is the best talent in this draft. Now the injuries have to concern you. But his family has proven to be beasts. Joey Bosa, his father, all picked in the first round, all succeeded. I think Nick Bosa will do the same again. Yes, the injuries like Joey Bosa and whatnot. The Bosa's all just deal with injuries. But Nick Bosa's a great pick. He's a dominant force off the edge. Can rack up sacks. He's just so dominating. He When he's on the field, he's going to succeed. Uh... Him in D4 now, I mean, that's looking like a good defense. Uh, they probably could have used someone on the offensive line here, but there's – and Quinton Williams was probably a better fit. Bosa probably wasn't the best fit out there. They probably could use an offensive tackle or receiver or even a D line, uh, interior lineman like Quinton Williams. But, no, you can't pick up pass up on Nick Bosa at number two. He's – the best player. So I had to give that an A+. And then the New York Jets were picking at number three, and their selection was defensive tackle Quinn and Williams. I had to give this an A+, as well. Uh, everyone, you know, if you want to say A or A+, it doesn't matter. This was a great pick, a safe pick. This gives that, uh, you know how they used to have, like, Sheldon Richardson and whatnot? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's who they had. Uh, the Jets... Um, they get that guy back. Quinton Williams is just such an interior threat. He's arguably the best player in this draft class, but I say he's second behind Nick Bosa. A very safe pick here. He's a monster. You know, he can just slip through that interior lineman, just can do anything on the interior and really disrupt the passer, disrupt the run game up the gut. I really uh, like this pick, and he's a perfect fit, and I think he's that Pretty much that final piece to the puzzle that the Jets need. Maybe they need another corner, but they're pretty close to completing that defensive puzzle. Um, then with the fourth pick, the Oakland Raiders selected Cleland Farrell. Uh, I gave this pick a D plus. Now, um, this pick shocked me. Uh, there were a few picks that shocked me. This one might be the uh, biggest shock. Um, I was. This is such a reach. By the Oakland Raiders, obviously. Mike Mayock was their, is their um, new GM. He usually just does mock drafts and whatnot on NFL Network and was just kind of an analyst there, but moved over into the front office. And him picking Cleveland Farrell here had people's hands on their heads. Why would you do this? 
Personally, I gave it a D plus, which is a little high, but it's just because I like Farrell. He may be inconsistent and, you know, not the best. I mean, here's the thing. Cleveland Farrell wasn't even talked about to be in the top 10. He was probably going to be a late uh, teens, mid to late teens. That's when he was going to get picked. So the Raiders obviously must have really liked him and felt he wouldn't have fallen to, what, 23, 24, whenever the Raiders' next pick was. I believe they had the 24th pick and the 27th pick. So they must have felt, yes, Farrell wasn't going to last that long. But if you wanted a pass rusher, they need a pass rusher like Farrell. But take Devin White or Josh Allen any day of the week. Here's why. Josh Allen is an edge rusher. Cleveland Farrell is a defensive end. So they're basically, you know, kind of the same. Uh, They're both basically outside pass rushers in a way. Just a little different. Josh Allen's much more better and dominating. And then there's Devin White, an inside linebacker who is a three-down sideline sideline player and really can just get to the quarterback. He can open field tackles. Personally, I might have gone with Devin White here over Josh Allen even. Uh, I just think, you know, if it comes down to it, I want that inside linebacker if I have so many holes on defense. Cleveland Farrell was not the guy. I mean, I like him, so I had to give him a D-plus here. But D-plus is generous. This was a horrible pick. It's just because I like Farrell, even though he's inconsistent. But this was way too high. So I had to give him a D-plus just because I like the guy. But that's a generous, generous D-plus. Um... Next, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They selected inside linebacker Devin White. I gave this grade uh, an A. This was a great pick. It was expected pick as well. Um, Devin White, I just talked about him. He's a three-down player. Uh, he fills a big-time need. So he's an inside linebacker, which is basically the general of the field. And he can stay on for all three downs. He's the best sideline to sideline player in this draft. He's got speed. He can make open field tackles. And not only that, he can... Uh, Get to the path, uh, get to the quarterback. I told you guys yesterday, if you didn't listen to that episode, I highly recommend not many people listen to that, which is a bummer, but please go check that out if you didn't. Uh, I kind of go over every prospect a little more in depth. Um, but Devin White, he, he was also second in FCS pressures or FBS, whatever it is, pressures last season in college football. He's second in quarterback pressures. Uh, he just can get, he can do it all basically. Uh, I really like Devin White, so this was a good pick. Uh, then at six, we had the New York Giants. <clears throat> the New York Giants. Sorry, New York Giants fans. Select Daniel Jones. Oh, Daniel Jones. Oh, let me. Ooh, I was screaming at my TV last night. I don't like the Giants. I hate them with the passion. They might be my least favorite team. I don't like them. I don't like the Jets. I don't like the Broncos. Um, I, I just don't like those two teams, probably my least favorite teams, uh, but I hate the Giants, and I still felt bad for them. This pick was horrible. Jones, to me, is a third-round talent. You'd argue second round, but he's a third-round talent. Obviously, he's going to be overvalued because he's a quarterback and whatnot, but they could have probably picked him at 17. They obviously thought, Daniel Jones is our guy, and we don't want to risk him get, getting taken before 17. But if I look at who is picking after them, uh, let me look. Here's who's picking after the Giants at number six. You have number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. If they were to pick a quarterback, it would have been Dwayne Haskins. They didn't pick Dwayne Haskins. Uh, number eight, TJ Hawkinson, Detroit Lions. You're pretty safe there. Buffalo Bills, you're safe there. They're not going to pick Daniel Jones. Steelers, they're not going to pick Daniel Jones. Bengals might pick a quarterback. 
Okay, so there's two threats, the Jaguars and the Bengals. And then the Packers, they're not going to pick a quarterback. The Dolphins might. The Falcons, no. Probably not. I mean, no. The Redskins, yes, there's a good chance. And then the Panthers, probably no. And then there's the Giants. So there's four teams that are right to take the But that's just a threat. And that's still with Wayne Masson on the board. You went through Lock, too. So, so the odds of Daniel Jones getting it in pink for 17, probably like 5% chance, honestly, 4%. And I took, I rambled off those threats. The Jaguars didn't take the quarterback out of the threats. Uh, the Bengals didn't take the quarterback. The Dolphins didn't take the quarterback. And the Redskins took Dwayne Haskins. So odds are Daniel Jones is sitting. Probably. But then again, you always have to put it in perspective. Let's say they pick Josh Allen. Now... What do the Jaguars do? I'd just say the Jaguars take an outside tackle, but let's say they take Jonah Williams. Now, all of a sudden, the Bengals don't have Jonah Williams, so they could have taken Daniel Jones. I doubt it. Uh, I gave this, by the way, I didn't even give it my grade yet. I gave this a D-. minus. I couldn't give it an F just because he's a good fit. But even then, I this week was just horrible. What are you thinking? The odds were slim he would have got taken, and even if he did, you either here are your two options here. If you're the Giants, trade out of the sixth spot, which I don't even think, or you take Dwayne Haskins and um, pick someone else at 17, or you decide, you know what, we're not picking a quarterback at all. If you're going to pick a quarterback, you pick Dwayne Haskins at six and use that 17th pick on something else. If not, you're not picking anyone. You're not picking Daniel Jones, especially not with the sixth pick. If they pick him at number 17, I'm like, all right, I don't know, you know, it's not a great pick, but I don't have a big problem with it. Like, if they take Josh Allen at 6 and then Daniel Jones at 17, doesn't that sound much better than Daniel Jones at 6 and Dexter Lawrence at 17? Imagine that. If you're a Giants fan right now, guess what you just did? Now that I think about it, you basically gave up Josh Allen for Dexter Lawrence? You kind of just did that. Basically, there's a 94% chance that probably would have happened. Let's say you pick Josh Allen at 6. There's a good t- chance you just could pick Daniel Jones at 17 and that you just picked Daniel Jones at 6 and kind of just traded out Josh Allen for Dexter Lawrence. Do you kind of see where I'm going with this? Yeah, bad pick. Um, next, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their selection was edge rusher Josh Allen. I had to give this an A. Uh, this is a steal at number 7, but just because... It's not a huge need for them. Uh, their defense is set. They probably should have gone, I thought, with a receiver or a offensive tackle for sure. Uh, whether that was on somebody, just somebody. So Josh Allen's just an A because he wasn't a huge need. But the Jaguars were probably sitting there saying, all right, we're getting ready to pick Jonah Williams. We're getting ready to pick maybe Jawan Taylor. Uh, we're getting ready to pick Andre Dillard. And then all of a sudden... Going into the draft, that was their uh, thing. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen fell to seven. They're like, we can't pass up on this dude. So they picked him. They're going to have to go offensive heavy for the rest of the draft, no doubt about it. And they're going to have to really do their homework and find those you know, diamond and the rough guys because they need it uh, with Nick Foles. They need to give Nick Foles a blindside on the uh, tackle spots. They need to give him some weapons, too. I hated that contract with Foles, but you got to build around him.
uh, give that pick an A. Then at number eight, we have the Detroit Lions selecting TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa. He gave this a B plus. Now, I'm not as high on Hawkinson as everyone else, but if you heard my mock draft, I got some picks right, definitely. But I think everyone, a lot of people, not everyone, but more people should have suspected Hawkinson here. Two reasons. The Detroit Lions have shown interest in uh, tight ends in the first round. <laughs> Eric Ebron, just a few years ago. And two, they love Patriots players and staff. Uh, Matt Patricia, Trey Flowers, Danny Amendola. And what do you know, TJ Hawkinson has drew Rob Gronkowski-like comparisons. So, obviously, they like Patriots-type players, people from the Patriots tree. Um, I think this is all a pick. Again, I'm not as high on Hawkinson as a lot of other people. He's a good athlete. He doesn't look it, but he is. And... Uh, he's definitely the best tight end. I don't think he'll be Rob Gronkowski, but he'll be solid. It gives Matthew Stafford a weapon. Um, but nice pick. Uh, number nine, we have Ed Oliver, defensive tackle out of Houston. I love Ed Oliver. Uh, he hasn't reached his ceiling. I'd say out of all the defensive tackles, some of those top guys, his floor is pretty low, but his ceiling may, might be the highest. Him or Quinn and Williams. Like, I saw last night uh, on the draft, they were giving him Aaron Donald comparisons. He's not going to be Aaron Donald. He's going to be – he his ceiling, I'd say, is just around Aaron Donald. He's not Aaron Donald, but it's somewhere below there. Um, a floor or two below Aaron Donald. Let's not get crazy now. I love Oliver, too. I'll, Ed Oliver's one of my favorite players. The thing is, his production rate. People talk about it with Rashawn Gary and whatnot, but it's there for Ed Oliver. The production rate at Houston wasn't great, but here's why. At Houston, he had horrible coaches, and they did not utilize him correctly at all. They did not utilize him well. With better coaches and that Buffalo system, I expect him to be a much better fit. Uh, Buffalo should definitely aim for DK Metcalf as well uh, tonight. Uh, trade up, do what you have to do to get DK Metcalf. Um, as I said, I'm not like a huge DK Metcalf fan, but it's the fact that um, he's a perfect fit. If this guy ends up touching his ceiling, he's going to be a great, uh, going to not only be a great receiver, but he's a perfect fit for Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a cannon of an arm, and DK Metcalf literally runs routes down the field. He's just a deep threat, which is perfect for that Bills team. So, yeah, aim for him. Just a little side note. Uh, number 10, the Pittsburgh Steelers took a trade up to get inside linebacker Devin Bush. I gave this a good, very good A-. minus. Uh, A- minus is not a bad thing. This was a great pick. Um, Devin Bush is a beast. Uh, it was a little early, but... Not too much. Uh, the one thing, I mean, this guy's really fast. He can make open field tackles. He's great penetration and can find those holes in the offensive line to get to the quarterback. He's great, and he's a perfect fit. People are calling him Pittsburgh's guy that they should aim for, and they traded up to get him. Uh, he's great. His father played uh, like safety or cornerback. I found that out last night uh, for the Rams and the Falcons. Uh, you know, He's a hard worker, Bushes. And the thing with Devin Bush uh, – um, well, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. For the Steelers, it's the perfect fit because ever since Ryan Shazier's gone down, they've missed that playmaker. That's Devin Bush. He's your fill-in for Ryan Shazier. Shazier was great, too. I just, uh, that, that, that story's horrible. Uh, what happened? I watched the game. And I watched that live. Ooh, that was a while ago. He still hurt. Uh, it stinks. But ever since Ryan Shazier's gone down, they've missed that playmaker, especially in the middle of the field, in the open field, and this is Devin Bush. He makes that up for you, and really, uh, 
helps that underrated young Steelers defense. Uh, and then at number 11, we have Jonah Williams, the outside tack from Alabama. I gave this uh, a B plus. Um, I'd argue there were better outside tackles, but Williams is a great fit here. Uh, he has great versatility. He's a football nerd. Uh, and sure, there is the fact that he went from right tackle to left tackle. Uh, left tackle is the most important position. Uh, left tackle is more important than right tackle for sure in the NFL. Uh, and Jonah Williams played left tackle uh, at Alabama. The only question is with his short arms, can he play left tackle uh, at the NFL? And even if that's a no right tackle, is still probably the second most important. It kind of depends team to team, but uh, he's still filling a big need. So hopefully he can play left tackle. That would be the hope for the Bengals that he reaches his uh, Pro Bowl potential and can play left tackle. But if he can't and he's still a good right tackle, I think they'll take that. I'll give this pick a B plus, as I just said. And then at the 12th pick, uh, the Green Bay Packers selected defensive end Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. I gave this pick a, a pretty generous C plus. I almost gave it a C. But... Gary has great potential, and the fact that he was double or triple teamed a lot in college and still had nine and a half cent, uh, sacks is great, but it still doesn't make sense why the Packers would pick him. Gary is a guy who's not going to make an immediate impact. The Packers are pretty win now. Uh, yeah, with Aaron Rodgers kind of, you know, starting to fade off, he's only got so much longer, and you, you kind of see that core kind of disappearing. Jordy Nelson's gone, Clay Matthews, Aaron Rodgers starting to get banged up. They're win now, so why would you pick Rashawn Gary? There's no doubt he's going to end up, hopefully, for them, filling a need on the edge uh, as a defensive end, but as a pass rusher, it's no doubt a need, but Rashawn Gary wasn't the guy. I'd go for a Brian Burns or a someone else uh, for an outside tackle if I, uh, or an edge rusher. Uh, there's a lot of defensive tackles kind of picked. I'd go, with, I'd go with someone else there if you want some sort of pass rusher, someone in that front seven or whatever you're in front eight, it's fine. Um but Gary's not the guy. He's not going to help you win right away. He's going to need some developing to do. Uh, his production rate just is not there yet. All right, then at number 13, we had the uh, Miami Dolphins selecting defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. I thought Wilkins' stock was a little overrated, and 13 was a little too high. But at the same time, Wilkins only missed one game at Clemson and can play all over the defensive line. So overall, I like that. I just think his stock's a little overrated in 13. It's a little too high, as I just said. Uh, but I give this pick a B-. minus. Uh, you could say a B, but somewhere in that range. It wasn't a great fit. I did think it was a little high. And, but he can't play all over the defensive line, which is a thing. The Dolphins just have so many holes. Was defensive tackle the one to fill? Uh, I'd say no. Uh, but not a horrible pick here. All right, then with the 14th pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Chris Lindstrom, the guard out of Boston College. Uh, Lindstrom, I gave this pick a C. Uh, there's no doubt Lindstrom fills a need. Um, they picked, they got two, um, they got two guards in free agency. They picked up James Carpenter and Jamon Brown, but they probably just feel, you know what, that's still, that's not enough, like Jamon Brown, but Chris Lindstrom, the thing with him is there were much better uh, offensive you know, linemen. They could have taken Andre Dillard. Uh, I think Cody Ford would have made a lot of sense there because he can kind of play all over the offensive line, but Lindstrom is not the guy. I'm sorry. He fills a need, but he's not that guy that you need. I'll give that pick a C. All right, with the 15th pick, I had uh, – 
that was Washington Redskins took Dwayne quarterback Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. I gave this pick an A. In my mock draft, I had them trading up to number three with the Jets to get this guy. And instead, they got to stay at 15 and let him fall into their lap. Dwayne Haskins should have been picked a lot sooner. I don't think I think the Redskins' hope was he fell to 15, but they didn't expect it. So when he did, they should have been enthusiastic. Now, I think Haskins will end up being very good. It's just hopefully he translates his game, and if he does, all the Redskins have to do is build, uh, give him weapons, which is kind of a problem. I still think Adrian Peterson, you know, is, he's not a running back for the future. Uh, they have, like, no receivers, and their offensive line is just kind of eh, and it's banged up. Their defense is all right. But overall, Dwayne Haskins, that's the good thing also about the situation, though, is Case Keenum can be a key factor. He's a guy that can kind of go in and play right away and give Haskins a little time to develop. I don't think Haskins will need time to develop, but just in case the Redskins feel we don't have enough weapons and we don't want to rush him, they can uh, go with the Case Keenum option. All right, then at number 16, we have the Carolina Panthers, and they selected linebacker Brian Burns. I gave this pick a B. Burns was one of the most underrated players in this draft class, and he's very fast, and he can rack up sacks. Uh, Peppers just retired also, uh, Julius Peppers. And although I thought they probably should have gone for, you know, maybe an offensive lineman, uh, I felt like offensively that was all they really needed. Their receiving core is eh. But they also Christian McCaffrey, and if Cam Newton can stay healthy, healthy, they're okay. I think the I hate on the Panthers a little too much in their situation. They just need to fill that offensive line and build up that defense again around Luke Keekley. They'll be okay. But obviously they've had a lot of losses like Josh Norman and whatnot. But overall, Brian Burns, this is a good pick. Uh, I wouldn't say it's safe, but I mean it's not you know risk either. Then number 17, we have uh, the New York Giants. They picked defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson. I gave this pick a C. This was not the first time the Giants reached for a prospect in this draft. And knowing them, it probably won't be the last either. Um, Listen, Dexter Lawrence is a huge guy. Um... You know, he's a huge presence. He's a run stopper. I like Dexter Lawrence. I just think 17 was too high. And overall, there's just better, you know, bigger needs for this team. They have a lot of other needs, especially in that front seven uh, and whatnot that the Giants just kind of have on defense. And they're just going out and picking their desk. Dexter Lawrence is more just an interior run stopper, which you kind of need less and less. More runs just kind of go, you know, between the guard and the outside tackle. That's that's kind of why, you know, they kind of go outside more and more. So I just don't think Dexter Lawrence is just a huge, you know, there's a lot of defensive tackles as well, and I'm not even sure he's the best on the board. All right, then at number eight, we have Garrett Bradbury. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings took him, uh, the center out of uh, NC State, and I gave this pick an A-. minus. This is definitely a little biased because, if you know me, I love Garrett Bradbury. I remember when he was ranked like a third projected third or fourth round pick prospect, whatever you want to say. I said he'll be the steal of the draft. Um, And then he finally got the recognition of a first round pick. Got picked in the first round. I think he'll be great. I think it's a pretty safe pick here. He's the best center in this draft. They needed an alignment. I thought maybe they'd take like a movie for or someone on the outside. Brad Bradbury's just fine. Maybe there's definitely some spies that I really like the guy, but that's all right. He's still a very great pick. I can argue, you know, a little lower, but whatever. The 19th pick, the Tennessee Titans, is Jeffrey Simmons. 
uh, B minus. He's had some off the field issues. This is why I'm giving it a B minus, by the way. I think the guy's a little overrated, and he's had some off the field issues. He's coming off an ACL injury, which led to him not even going to the combine. So again, coming off an injury, didn't even go to the combine, has off the field issues. But if he can overcome all of these things, which I'm not even confident he can, but if he can, the Titans are finally over the hump defensively. If he can overcome all these things and become the true player he is without any off-the-field issues, get uh, through these injuries, he's going to be a great presence. So it's a risky pick, but it might be a risk worth taking. Then with the 20th pick, the Denver Broncos took tight end Noah Fant out of Iowa. Second Iowa tight end. They can really produce tight ends, uh, for sure. Um, I gave this pick a B. Uh, it wasn't a thrilling pick, but uh, it wasn't a bad pick either. Um, uh, Noah Fant, I feel like he would have been a great pick with my Patriots, but um, he's just an outstanding receiver. He's got a 40-inch vertical and scored 18 touchdowns over the past two seasons, and that was playing behind DJ Hawkinson. Uh, he's not a good blocker. Uh, that's the only thing, but... I mean, the Broncos kind of like to run the ball, Philip Lindsay and whatnot, but Fant, Fant's a solid receiver, and they need that in their system. They just don't have anyone. Like, Emmanuel Sanders is still solid, but he's kind of getting older. Uh, and what's his name? Um, Cortland Sutton, I thought was a little disappointing. He's shown potential and will probably be with the Broncos for a while. I, I'm all right with their receiving core. I think they should aim for one like the second or third, fourth round for sure. They need to build up that offense, try to get one more defensive piece. Uh, but no, Noah Fant's just a great uh, receiving tight end, which they really need. Um, so good pick. All right, then with the 21st pick, the Green Bay Packers select Dar safety Darnell Savage. Savage ran up the draft boards. I gave this pick a C plus. Most people gave it way lower and were hating on this pick, but I it's just personally because I like Darnell Savage. Uh, they traded up to get him too, which hurt. Uh, C plus um, because I just really like the pick. I want to give it higher than that because I really, really like it, but I didn't want to get absurd. People were giving this pick somewhere in the Ds to trade up for this guy, but no, Savage is a really, really good safety uh, with Adrian Amos back there. He's a DB. Um, but, um, I look at him and I just see a guy, he can tackle, uh, and he showcased great speed, a knack for, uh, racking up some INTs and he's shown great athleticism. He just shows a great package at safety that makes me really want to like this guy and believe in him here at the 21st pick. But we'll see how things work out. I do think it was a bit of a reach to trade up for this guy as well and give up two forts. But overall, I like the pick a lot more than others. And then at 22nd pick, we have outside tackle Andre Dillard. Uh, this was picked by the Philadelphia Eagles. I gave this pick a B plus. And Dillard is arguably the best outside tackle in the draft. But whether he is or not, he's just a well-rounded tackle that will help protect Carson Wentz blindside with Jason Peters is out because he's dealt with some injuries, getting a little old. Uh, I don't even know if he's getting old. I don't really know his age. He's been around for a good amount of time, though. Um, but, no, I like this pick. B-plus here. Um, not too much to say. He'll be a good replacement for Peters for a while. They also have uh, the other offensive tackle they have. I forget his name. He's really good. But when healthy, that's a really good offensive line, so I'm not really sure. I thought maybe more of a receiver would be a better fit or go for a corner, personally. A lot of people have told me, no, they have a ton of young corners. But none of them are really that outstanding. 
Uh, so I'd go, you know, somewhere in that secondary or, you know, over uh, outside tackle. But it's it's a need while Jason Peters is out. So now moving on to number 23, the Houston Texans um, select outside tackle Titus Howard. There was no doubt uh, that offensive line was a need. Uh but Titus Howard was not the guy. I'm giving this a C minus. Uh, just was a bad pick. They should have taken um, like a, I don't know, like a Cody Ford or a Jawan Taylor definitely over this guy. So it fills a need, but Titus Howard just was not the guy. Kind of like the Falcons with Chris Lindstrom. Fills a need, but this isn't the guy. Uh, even the Giants, I guess. But um and then with the 24th pick in the draft, the Oakland Raiders took running back Josh Jacobs. Jacobs was definitely the best running back in this draft, but I'm giving this a B-. minus. I don't really like the pick because I think it's a bit of a reach. Again, the Raiders keep reaching. Um, and he's five foot nine. He's not really a power uh, back, but he's a multi-purpose back. He can catch balls. He can even line up as a receiver. Good running back. Um and he can kind of draw a blitz package uh, and whatnot, all that uh, type of stuff, you know what I'm talking about. And he just – he I, I like it for the fact that I just think it's a little bit of a reach, but I like it for the fact that I feel like he's a great playmaker on that offense, which they need. They don't really have any receivers. Carr's not a fantastic quarterback. They've done work to the offensive line, which is good. But Josh Jacobs, personally, I'd call it a reach – but for this Raiders team, really one of those few teams that it makes sense for, just because they need that playmaker on offense. Uh, then at number 25, uh, the Philadelphia uh, – sorry, no. The Baltimore Ravens select wide receiver Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma. Uh, this was the trade with the Eagles. Uh, he's very fast. Um, I just don't think he's the right fit. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give this pick a C+. Uh, I like Marquise Brown. I just don't think he's the right fit, as I just said, uh, for Lamar Jackson in that offense. They need – but I, I just take someone else. I take a uh, – you know, A.J. Brown, for example. I take him or a Nikhil Harry or a Keem Butler. I take him over Marquise Brown. I just don't think Marquise Brown's the right fit here. Then at number 26, uh, the Washington Redskins uh, take Montez Sweat. This was part of the Colts pick. Um, I'm giving this pick an A+. Uh, I don't usually do this later in the draft. I usually give a few high picks, A+, A+. But once you kind of pass, you don't really give many A-pluses. But I'm I, I'm actually going to give this an A. Not an A-plus, sorry, a, a But this was a great pick by the Redskins. Montez Sweat, his draft stock kept, you know, lowering and lowering where to the point where he's a top eight talent, at least. But his draft stock, people were thinking early to mid-teens because of that heart condition. But to get this guy 26, there's still a risk for the heart condition. But people have been reporting that it might be a misdiagnosis, which would be incredible. So all of a sudden now, this might be a misdiagnosis. They got a top eight talent at number 26 that doesn't have any off-field issues. It's just the fact that it was a little bit of a misdiagnosis possible. So I have to give this an A. I can't give it an A plus just because it's supposedly a misdiagnosis. But then at number 27, the Oakland Raiders select Jonathan Abraham. Um, he has a lot of potential uh, for that Raiders secondary for sure. Uh, could definitely be a good addition. I'm going to go ahead and give this pick a B. Uh, kind of a generous B. I thought this was a little bit of uh, a slight reach. Kind of like Josh Jacobs, but the pick makes sense. So I can't give it too much of a reach. Kind of like Josh Jacobs with them. 
Um, they did get LaMarcus Joyner in free agency. Um, Abram, I kind of look at him. I'm not a huge believer, but I don't hate him either, so I'll give it a uh, generous B. All right, then at number 28, the Los Angeles Chargers shake Jerry Tillery. Um, Tillery's a little bit of a dirty player. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he's a dirty player, but and he, but he's a big presence. He's a great player. So I have to give the pick a B plus. Again, he's dirty. Uh, probably his overall value is higher, but you know people just don't really like that kind of guy. So the Chargers picking Tillery here. I got to give him the B plus. Um, then at number twenty nine, we have defensive end L J Collier. Uh, this was picked by the Seattle Seahawks. This was not the right pick at all. Um, he has a knack for tackling. Um, but I have to give this pick a C minus. This was just not a good pick at all. This was a big reach by the Seahawks. I thought Akeem Butler would be their guy here, getting that receiver. He's a good underrated receiver. A lot of people like him. I thought he'd be a good fit for the Seattle Seahawks. I thought they'd take him or they'd take a DeAndre Baker, Byron Murphy, Greedy Williams. All of them were still on the board. There were many cornerbacks that they could have got to try to get their next Richard Sherman. They could try, or they would get some sort of receiver like Akeem Butler. But instead, LJ Collier? No, this just did not make sense. C minus. Then at 30, the New York Giants select cornerback DeAndre Baker. This one is getting a um, B plus. <sighs> close to an A minus. Super close to an A minus. Uh, might end up changing it to an A minus. But I really like DeAndre Baker. He's great man to man. He's an aggressive ta- tackler. He's solid in the run game. He's a little undersized, but overall he's very good. The, you know, the Took a chance on Eli Apple a few years ago. Shipped him off to Saint. Uh, uh sorry, uh, New uh, New Orleans with the Saints. Uh, just didn't work out there. They traded with Seattle to get this guy. Uh, well, they technically uh kind of traded down. Or did they trade up? Oh yeah, they did. They did. Sorry. All right. They traded uh with Seahawks. But overall, I really like DeAndre Baker. I'm giving this actually an A minus, not a B plus. Uh, just the undersized, but overall fills a big need. Uh, with the Eli Apple just not working out. Landon Collins is gone in that secondary, so big need filled now. All right, then the Atlanta Falcons select Caleb McGarry. Oh, my God, what are they doing? They've invested a lot in the offensive line, but now this is – Atlanta Falcons had two picks. They just – they traded up to get this guy, too. The Falcons had two picks now in the first round. Filled in two needs, but picked the wrong guy for both of them. Jawan Taylor was sitting right there. and. Oh, my. Ooh. Or Greedy Williams. Somebody. There were a ton of guys, and they picked Caleb McGarry. This is getting a B. A C. Not even a, sorry, I almost said a B. That would be ridiculous. This is getting a C. This was just a bad, bad pick. What are you guys doing? Uh, whoever's running that Falcons front office, you know, you're, you're, you're on point with what your team needs, but not the guys. I don't think he did homework. He just did homework on what his team needs were and just picked the name out of a hat on who to pick at the offensive line position. So I'm not sure what he was doing there. Um, and then at number 32, my New England Patriots took Nikhil Harry. Uh, his draft stock kind of fell from more 16 to 18 to out of the first round, but they took a chance on him here. Uh, he is six foot three. He's uh, you know, he's big. He's physical. He can win those 50-50 balls. So this is a perfect fit. I'm gonna go ahead and give this pick a B because it's not outstanding. I'm not a huge Nikhil Harry guy, but he has a good passion. He's a perfect fit. I hope the Patriots can uh, make him work out because if this kid works out, I'm gonna be really happy. Uh, 
I never thought he would come to New England. I always I talked about him a lot early on and just never thought he'd come to New England. Uh, I thought, you know, he would go too early a long time ago, and then when his draft stuff fell, I thought, no, the Patriots aren't picking him, but they did. He's big. He's physical. It makes sense. He can win those 50-50 balls. Uh, so he really fills a need. Hopefully, I'm really hoping as a Patriots fan, he works out for us. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. A uh, little bit of a long episode today, but that's all right. I'll give you guys a lot of content. Uh, please, Anchor Mobile app. I'm begging. Billy hasn't called back. I know he gets busy. Uh, you know, we'll call for a few episodes and then just doesn't call for a while. So he just kind of drifts off uh, and it kind of stinks sometimes. But I know he gets busy and whatnot. So I understand. Hopefully he calls back. Charles, even, I don't care. Hopefully you guys call in. I'd like some new callers. The more, uh, the better. I'm all right with making this an even longer episode and answering you guys' calls. It's a good tool. It's something that you guys should try even and utilize and uh definitely useful tool for sure so yeah thank you guys for listening and i'll see you next time